Hello and welcome to the Marketing Automation Discussion. I'm your host, Benjamin Bowman. Today, we're talking to Kevin McGrath. Kevin is the co-founder of Beacon, a platform for creating and managing lead magnets. We talk about the sources for ideating and researching lead magnets, how to take ideas and make them into effective lead magnets, including some of the best practice that Kevin is seeing right now, and how many lead magnets to have in your funnel. We cover a lot more ground, so enjoy the episode. Kevin, thanks for uh, chatting to me today. No worries. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. Where are you calling from, by the way? I know that you're based, obviously, like eight hours different from me or thereabouts. No, where? well, I'm in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I just presumed you were UK, are you not? No, I used to live in the UK, but I'm actually from Australia and I'm currently oh, in Thailand. Okay. So it's a oh, complete nice. mess. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, I'll jump right into the questions. The, the first question I had was, what led you to starting Beacon in the first place? Yeah, well, th- this is this is like a long sort of, it's, it's not the answer that you're supposed to give. Like, oh, we saw <laughs> a, a need in the market and we really went after it for it. It's not that, like we went the roundabout way. So basically myself and my brother run Beacon, but this is our second business. The first business we started was when I was final year at university studying design and we started a web design agency. So we did that for, I think, maybe seven or eight years now, we got a bit tired of sort of client services and, you know, we read all these books by Basecamp and we thought, you know, well, maybe we could pivot to products. So we started like just randomly building products and they went nowhere. Like we were, like in hindsight, like we had all the technical skills, but none of the sort of validation skills or marketing skills. And um, so a couple of things didn't even get off the runway. And then we had this idea based on, I think we got like, we were slow, like we got an iPad 2 was the first time we had an iPad. And we thought, oh, this is so cool. Like it would be really great if people could make their own magazines for an iPad. So we started making this tool that was essentially make your own magazines that would work on any device. And we thought like a good target market would be journalists. We thought, you know, with social media, journalists have a, a bigger sort of public persona than ever before. And if we could give them a way to make their own sort of mini magazines and sell them directly to readers, they could make some independent revenue. And even saying that now, that sounds pretty good. Like it's fairly valid assumptions. But I think what we discovered pretty quickly was that journalists are a pretty bad target audience to go for a target market. Like they've limited budget, limited time, like they're they're busy, busy people. So it's hard to sort of pin them down. So like we did it the wrong way around. We built the software, took it to a few journalists. They liked it. They had some success with it, but we couldn't grow it. And then we thought, right, well, we've got this software. Maybe we'll just show it to anybody he'll look. So like we went through all our agency clients and a few of them from the marketing department were like, oh, this is cool. I would make, you know, a magazine for our business. So then we sort of pivoted into like, okay, it's a tool for to help businesses make magazines. And then spoke to more businesses. They don't have the time or the desire to make a magazine. So then we learned more about like lead magnets and eBooks. And then we sort of pivoted again and sort of gradually sort of went down the spiral until we got that sort of nice fit for the product. And of course, the product today is 100% different than it was back then. So yeah, long, long, long way to get to where we are here. So yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Actually, um, I have used Beacon now and then quite a bit. And I noticed you have a lot of features 
around making the PDFs themselves. So I had always wondered, you know, why was that there? Um, where did yes. that come from? So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's in the past maybe three years that we've sort of expanded out from just PDFs to, you know, the whole life cycle of opt-in forms and resource libraries and things like that. Yeah, fantastic. If you don't mind me asking, how many users do you have at the moment? Because one of the reasons I wanted to chat was that you've obviously seen a lot of lead magnet practice across different clients and different industries. Are you comfortable sharing that number or at least the the industries you've worked with? We've got, I think it's about 55,000 users on the system at the minute. Yeah. Okay. A few data points there, I suppose. Yeah, one or two, yeah. (laughs) Cool, fantastic. One thing I wanted to ask as well, is when people are thinking about their lead magnets, what should they really be expecting to get out of it? So for example, some people may be looking to utilize lead magnets in order to induce a sale straight away or induce a a booking if they're a service firm or induce a purchase if they're a SaaS. What should people's expectations be? Yeah, I I think sort of the first thing that people need to think about is what stage of the buyer journey are they targeting with a particular lead magnet so obviously like if you think about like a buyer's stage of consideration like are are they aware of the problem are they problem aware but not solution aware like are, are they aware of they've got a problem and they need a solution so you need to think of that first and then that will sort of tie to what your expectations should be Say if you run a software business and you're having no problem filling the top of the funnel, you're getting lots of free trial signups, but you're maybe not converting those signups into paying customers, then you might want to prioritize a lead magnet for um, people towards the bottom of the funnel. So if that's the case, if that's the type of lead magnet you're making, then it's very realistic that your lead magnet can have a direct effect on that conversion rate from free to paid. But if you're making maybe a more superficial lead magnet to to get people in at the top of the funnel, I think it's a bit of a stretch to ask for one lead magnet to sort of get someone from the top of the funnel right to the bottom. So yeah, it really does depend on the stage of the consideration. But if you're looking at that at that bottom end, then yeah, there, there's like lead magnets can definitely have a big impact on things like conversion rates for sure. Got it. Interesting. What would you say are the main differences between a lead magnet that is targeting someone at the top of the funnel versus at the bottom of the funnel for, say, SaaS or a, a service company? Yeah, so I'd say probably the the topic of the lead magnet will be more general at the top of the funnel and like much more focused at the bottom. So the top of the funnel content, for example, might be, say, if you make software for personal trainers, then top of the funnel content might be something like a, a template for a nutrition plan for your a PT's customers. So that's good wide top of the funnel content. You'll get probably a high keyword volume in, in content like that and a template like that. And you'll get lots of signups. So you'll get, get to grow your email list. You'll generate lots of leads. But the chances, like because that's so broad, the chances that you'll sort of get a high quantity of those people to convert into paying customers is quite low, but that's okay. That's nothing to panic about. But what you will then do is create a lead magnet that suits people at the bottom of the funnel. 
So again, taking that personal trainer example, it might be something like, well, I suppose it depends what your software does. So say if you're really going out in the limb here, I don't know any personal trainers. I'm just, it's a bad example to pick. But so say, for example, if your software helped personal trainers to run their business, so things like client management and billing and invoicing and things like that, then the bottom of the funnel content might be like how to schedule sort of a consistent billing for your customers. And this lead magnet will be fairly closely tied to your software offering. So your software will essentially be the solution, but in the lead magnet, it will be very specific about steps that you go through in your software to get consistent billing cycles for your clients so you don't drop revenue month to month, so some, something like that. So broad at the top, very general, and then very specific at the bottom. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. This is similar to something that Paul McKeever mentioned in one of the previous episodes about chatbots and that you should be thinking multiple chatbots, not trying to think one mega chatbot. And he yeah. used the analogy, if you think of a glass, you might get half full with one one bot and then you add another and another until you have a full glass. Would you yeah. say that's right here where you're looking for one large lead magnet, capture as much attention as possible, that's roughly targeted, and then another to bring it down another level? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's important at those different levels to know that the sort of key metrics will change. So if you're making a lead magnet for the top of the funnel, your key metric really is going to be quantity of leads generated. Whereas if you're looking for one at the bottom of the funnel, it's naturally going to, it's more about lead nurturing and you're going to look more at conversion rate of your landing page. So at the bottom of the funnel, you'd expect a much higher conversion rate, but ultimately it'll generate less leads that's okay. Like I think for lead magnets, people maybe get a bit caught up in quantity of leads generated, which is fine at the top of the funnel, but at the bottom of the funnel, definitely think more about conversion rate and obviously the follow through to direct sales from those bottom of the funnel lead magnets too. Do you find that the type of media used for these types of lead magnets is different based on which part of the funnel you're targeting? Yeah, yeah, definitely things like templates, checklists, they work really well at the top of the funnel. At the bottom of the funnel, it's more like a, like a playbook or a walkthrough, something very specific. Um, but actually, just a caveat that I think a lot of that maybe depends on the price point of your product or your service. So if you're selling like a software product for, like I think, Beacon's maximum value is like $990, so relatively cheap. Whereas if you compare that to maybe a software product that sells for maybe $100,000 a year, I think the type of content maybe is is different depending on the, the value of the, the offering. So for at that higher end, like maybe you're going to commission some independent research that'll be very sort of specific and you know very useful to people that are purchasing a high ticket software. Whereas like at our price point, like I'm not going to be commissioning like a, a big formal white paper or, or sort of case study comparison. It just doesn't make sense. So I think, yeah, definitely it has an impact on stage of the funnel, but also ultimately your, your price point too. Got it. For something like video, do you find that it is too early to put it right up at the top of the funnel versus sort of mid and lower funnel, or it really just depends on how broad the video topic is? Yeah, I think... It does depend on the topic, but I, I think video is one of those ones that generally works quite well across the funnel. So one thing, like one type of lead magnet that we're seeing is, is very popular in Beacon is video lookbooks. And these are generally used at the top of the funnel. 
So it's essentially you go out and you find maybe five or six different videos about a related subject and you put them all together in one package. So this is great because it's essentially curated content. So the value in me making this lookbook is I'm going out and doing the research and finding these high quality videos and I'm bundling them together. So people like to have the sort of one-stop shop. So you give them, you do the hard work for them. Basically you do the research to find the good videos, package them up and you give them in an easy to digest format, which is great. And that works very well at the top of the funnel. But because that's curated content, it doesn't work so well at the bottom of the funnel. So you, you definitely, like you could commission maybe video case studies at the bottom of the funnel or like, like really specific product walkthroughs. And like when I say product walkthroughs, like I don't mean like a demo, but like, yeah, one thing, like we did a lead magnet that worked really well and we just did it as a, a PDF, but it would probably work equally well as a video was that we taught people how to use Facebook lead ads to promote their lead magnet. So obviously Facebook is great in that, like it's a very established advertising platform. You can get really sort of specific with the demographics of people that you target. But also because like Facebook already has the email addresses of the users, it's really easy to sort of capture that email address because they have this built into the advertising platform. It's known as Facebook lead ads, but lots of people don't know about this. So I mentioned it casually in like a webinar and people were all over it. They were like, what's, what's a lead ad? Like, how do I set this up? How does this work? I thought, all right, brilliant. Like there's an idea for a lead magnet. So just jotted it down during the webinar. Then afterwards went away and went through each step of how to create the lead ad, took screenshots at every step, like wrote like a couple of sentences about what I'm doing and then bundled that up in a PDF. And I think that's probably one of our best ever lead magnets, but that would work equally well as sort of bottom of the funnel video for us. So like, especially, I think it would probably work better as a video to be honest than a PDF. So people can actually see me doing it, but like really simple, like it's me walking through making an ad, like it's a 10 minute video, not even like five minute video, but that would work well at the bottom of the funnel for us, for sure. Cause at the bottom of the funnel for us, people are already making their lead magnet. They're starting to worry about like how to promote it. So yeah, that, that would work. Yeah. Fantastic. For different types of businesses, do you notice that there's a big difference between a SaaS lead magnet and a regular service lead magnet, as an example, or they tend to be basically the same? Yeah, I think I think it's generally the same for B2B. So whether your products or services for B2B, it's more or less the same. I think like once you start getting into B2C, then it gets a bit different. Like you've seen with, you've definitely seen it on e-commerce sites. Like as soon as you go to any online store, they're hitting you with, you know, 10, 15, 20% discount if you give your email address. Like that's like cash is the ultimate lead magnet. Like it's if you're supposed to create an irresistible offer, like a discount is the best way to do it. It doesn't work so well for B2B because obviously like most B2B buyers aren't spending their own money. So they're not as price conscious about like a 10 or 15% discount. They're more conscious about making the right decision for the company. So they're doing more informed research. It's not all about the price. Yeah, I can tell you that's definitely true. I've been on the hunt for some tools lately and discounts are not that effective. I just want to log in, have a look, run through a use case or two and see how easy it is compared to the other. Yeah, exactly. And comparison is a big one again for like, it's probably better for, for content, like 
ungated content rather than lead magnets. But yeah, com- comparison is a, is a great sort of source of good content. Yeah, got it. For coming up with research ideas, did you have a, a particular technique or multiple techniques that you like to use here that you suggest people try? Yeah, like the, there is, I think we've been doing it for so long. I have just like a list of like ideas I've jotted down and these come from like various sources. Like I mentioned earlier about like somebody mentioned something on a webinar. So write that down. But if I'm stuck, like generally what I like to do is draw through like customer support logs. So we have like obviously a lot of rich customer support information. Like I can see like which of our help articles are most popular and in, we use intercom. You can see which help articles have been reacted to negatively. So if someone's come to a help article and they've hit the wee sort of sad smiley, means something in this article didn't satisfy sort of what they were looking for. And sometimes that might just be like it's a poorly written help article, so I'll maybe add some more screenshots. But it might be that it's only partially answering the question because the help articles are directly related to our product, like how to use the product. But that sort of bleeds into like this strategy around using the product, which isn't, it's content that isn't appropriate for a help article but might be appropriate for a lead magnet or a blog post. So customer support logs is definitely a good one. And live chat logs too, obviously, is good because that's like if people are getting frustrated or generally people just want a bit of a, a chit-chat sometimes, like, oh, I'm struggling with this. Like we send out an automated email. I think if there's been like a period of inactivity in your account, like say if you signed up within 30 days, but you haven't accessed your account for maybe 10 days, We'll send an automated email saying like, "What's going on?" Like, what? Like, and we think it's like a multiple choice. Like, we set this up years ago, and it's like, "What's going on?" You haven't logged in. Like, you're not getting value from the tool. Like, cards in the table. You know, like, what's made you stop? And the multiple choice is like, oh, "I don't have time," or "I'm using another tool," or the third third option is just, "I have no idea what I'm doing." And like, that's one of our most popular emails because people. Like if you suggest it to them, like they've no problem saying, oh, thank God, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And then I reply manually and said, no problem. We've all been there. Like, what are you trying to achieve? And I'll tell you the best way to do it. And then like, you get such rich information from that one email because you've break, broken down the barriers a wee bit by saying, like, come on, admit it. Like, we don't know what we're doing either sometimes. It sort of um, relaxes people a bit and they give like rich sort of qualitative information based off that like that's that's another good source for lead magnet inspiration for sure yeah for sure i actually noticed once you set up an account with beacon you actually have it in the first page there that you can schedule a time to talk to yourself i believe yeah about getting right. some advice yeah it's funny that we thought a lot more people would take us up on that we redesigned the dashboard two months ago and like that was one of the things i wanted to do was um like just speak to more customers so rather than reaching out to people one-on-one it's hard to schedule people one-on-one just like put a link to my calendar there i think only two people have booked a call isn't that crazy because like in theory you think like that's a no-brainer but um like and the way we have it worded like it's free strategy it's not a sales call blah 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 two people so i don't maybe we need to rework the copy i don't know yeah it's crazy i had actually Bit of a side note, I had actually considered making the Cheapskate's Guide to Free Marketing Advice. And you, you find all those threads on, you know, Reddit and Indie Hackers and so on, where people are offering 
free landing page advice, you know, yes. offers like yours, uh, this kind of thing. You make a big yeah. list and you'd be surprised where you can go with all this free advice out there. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Have you noticed anyone doing any paid promotion in order to get that intelligence on what people may be interested in? Not specifically from our customers. Like our customers are either, they're just getting started. So they're like maybe a new business. So they're really learning about like that, the basics of lead magnet strategy, or maybe we've got like a busy marketing department in like a a larger organization who by their very nature are already established. So like the marketing departments who sign up for Beacon are generally have a really good sense of who their customers are, what the pain points are. They're essentially hiring Beacon for help with production, speed of production at that stage. So I haven't seen too much of um, sort of paid sort of research at all. Yeah, no problem. In terms of evaluating your ideas, did you have any suggestions for people, things that they should really keep in mind when they're trying to weigh the ideas for effectiveness? Yeah, I think probably just thinking about my own experience of creating lead magnets. I think you can always, if you're making a lead magnet and you start off going, oh, this is a great idea. And then the more you get into actually making the content, if you find that there's no original research in the content you're putting down, I think that's a really big warning sign that it's not either not a good idea or you just haven't done enough research. So if you find that you're just regurgitating like sort of banal sort of marketing copy that you've read a hundred times and you're regurgitating it because you've read it so many times you know it off by heart you know it's but it's not your content you know you're it's just coming to you quickly it's coming to you easily like i don't know if i was to make a lead magnet about like what makes a good lead magnet like so i could say oh it should be actionable it should be filled with advice that you can just put into action immediately it should be desirable people should want to download your lead magnet it should be short but like this is it's all true. Like it, it's completely true. Like those things all make a good lead magnet, but it's been written and done a hundred times. So what would make that idea better would be like if I did some actual research into like, obviously we have an advantage of like, what are the most popular lead magnets created in Beacon? I can weigh that up by saying like, here's the sort of banal content that everyone knows or that that's already out there and here's like i'm sprinkling some original research and original data points on top of that and like it's easier it's easier than you think to get do or conduct original research like we we released a new tool it's last year now it's essentially a tool to help people build their own resource library so imagine like a page on your website that has all your lead magnets people can search for a specific one they can filter by categories so we thought brilliant right like we did all our customer research and we, we sort of figured out that this was a product that our customers needed so we built it and then when it came to this sort of promotion of it we thought like how can we sort of aside from just saying like this is a tool you told us that you needed we built it enjoy like what sort of content can we create around resource libraries to make this tell a bit of a story about like why this product is necessary. And so I found a list of like the hundred top technology companies. I kind of Googled it, no big deal, went to their website. And then I did like five tests. Do they have a resource library? Simple yes or no. If they do, does that resource library have a search function? Yes or no. Does that resource library have filters 
like filter by category, filter by industry, yes or no. If it does have filters, how many levels of filter does it have? And then I think the last check was like, is it mobile optimized? And I also checked, does it include video in the resource library? So it took me like an afternoon, like a cup of coffee, some good music on, went through a hundred websites, checked the resource library. And all of a sudden, like I had this rich firsthand information to sprinkle across the sort of the content that we were creating. So I was able to say that obviously our tool, like it has search, it has multiple level filters, it's mobile optimized, it's sort of optimized for search engines. So we were able to say like 23% of like the biggest technology companies in the USA don't have a resource library. Oh my God, what an opportunity they're missing out on. Like it's a bit more of a headline than just saying, we have a resource library, it's mobile optimized. You know, it's just like an afternoon for all that sort of rich research that we can use in multiple different formats. Time well spent. Really interesting. Did you gate a lot of that information behind a lead magnet or did you just use that to publish? We didn't gate it. We used it primarily for the blog post. Yeah, because it was essentially it was top of the funnel for us. And this was when the library was in um, pre-release. So it was in the, the beta stage. So we wanted to get a lot of organic traffic to that blog post. And then the call to action in that post was sign up for to get early access to the resource library product. So yeah, that, that's a good point, actually, like because SEO was our priority, like rather than leads. And the most direct sort of call to action for that content was to sort of get them straight into the intention of using the resource library. And I suppose you would have already have had quite a large audience of Beacon users already that you needed to educate. So it made no sense to to gate that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Got it. Very cool. Bit of a fun question for you. If you had $10,000 to spend on one lead magnet and make a mega lead magnet of mega any particular lead. kind, something outstanding, bit of a thought exercise. This is a good one. This is a good one. Because normally when you think of lead magnets, you think of free content, like you're giving it away mm. for free. It's hard to put value on that. So if a 10K budget, yeah, I would go for something. Well, two, I'll give you two. So I would do either like a, a really high quality video course. It's like 10 grand goes a long way in the world of video these days. Like you could like buy a nice camera, a nice microphone, like maybe even rent like a nice studio to film it in but do like a really high quality video course. And that this would be specifically aimed maybe at the bottom of the funnel. So like a, like day to day, like how do you go from zero to a hundred with your lead magnet strategy, like a, an intense video course, something like that. Or, and I think this is probably a better one, I would make some type of free tool. So like a lead magnet doesn't have to be like an ebook or a checklist or a template. It could be a free tool. Like HubSpot did this years ago with their website grader. I don't know if you remember it. Like this was, I think they did this like maybe 10 years ago. It's essentially a landing page. You go on, you put in the URL of your website and they will essentially grade that website based on a lot of sort of standard metrics like page speed, accessibility, SEO score, things like that. And then to get your website report, you put in your email address. So... HubSpot are getting obviously tens of thousands of leads at this stage of people who are unhappy with their current hub of their marketing output, their website. And that's been going, that's gone through, the HubSpot one has gone through like numerous different iterations. They keep updating it because it 
it keeps being successful. Like everyone is curious about like how does my how how good is my website really? And other companies have used this same strategy, like Privy, who do lead capture software for I think specifically for Shopify. They did like a Shopify grader, like put in the URL of your Shopify store. We'll tell you how good your site is in terms of like SEO scores, page page load, stuff like that. So if you can think of a free tool that sort of complements your core product offering and like spin up, like it doesn't have to be massive. Like, you know, there's not a huge amount of like technical wizardry going on with a website creator. And it's something that, that we're thinking about doing at the minute, actually, with we're essentially going to pull one feature out of our product and make it as a, a free tool. I'll give you an exclusive. We haven't, haven't said this anywhere. I haven't, haven't released it. You know, it's not. It's an exclusive okay, for us. We care. But essentially, we want to give people the ability to convert a folder in their Google Drive into like a fully fledged resource library. Mm. So essentially, you put in, you connect your Google account, you select the folder in your G Drive. We'll take out all the content and we'll build a standalone resource library. And there's a couple of reasons why we're doing this. Like, and mostly because we find that a lot of people who need to create a resource library have already done it and they've done it through Google Drive. They just put all their resources in a folder and then once you opt into a form on their website, they'll send you a link to the Google Drive, which isn't a great experience. Like you can't you can't browse the resources before you opt in and people can share the link to the public Google Drive around so you're not getting that lead. But if we can give them a way to sort of convert what they already have into something that's even better in a matter, matter of seconds, you know, it's a pretty compelling reason for them to make the switch from like what they're doing now to, to something that's uh, better for us. So, and it's kind of a cool product. Like it would, you know, maybe get a bit of a buzz. You can sort of, people would share a tool like that. They're more likely to share a tool like that than they are to share an ebook. So yeah, if I had a 10K budget, uh, a free tool, I think would be the way to do it. That's very cool. I can actually say that I would probably use something like that because I am using Google links and it is something I, I worry about sometimes that people okay. just share the link anywhere and everywhere. You yeah. sort of dilute the effect of your material. What's also yeah. interesting here is where you were thinking of spending the cash. It seemed like, well, if you're going to invest a lot of money, you might as well invest at the bottom of the funnel with something very effective. But on the other hand, if you were going to go to the top of the funnel, you would try and invest in something that would be super viral. Does that sound right? Yeah, it is. I think if you're going at the top of the funnel, like it should be something like not necessarily like viral, such a, a difficult thing to replicate but something that you're you know confident that you can rank well for and i guess it goes back into that the general sort of research aspect of lead magnets like you need to research your subject the same way you would a blog post like it's fun to write a blog post for a subject that pops into your head but like if you did a little bit of research and you might figure out that you know it's like that's a very competitive keyword search like i'm not really bringing anything new to that that subject whereas i've got another subject that you know that is a bit more original that you know will have more chance of ranking well and you know sharing well so yeah definitely yeah on that point do you find that there are any techniques or design styles that people should use for putting the lead magnets on high traffic pages to get better conversions or it all just comes down to testing the different types of units yeah, I think it depends on on the lead. It's sort of a chicken and egg thing. Like the one thing that's quite, that 
has worked well historically and continues to work well from our research is content upgrades. So a content upgrade would be like a lead magnet that is specifically related to an individual blog post. So let's take that Facebook lead ads example. Like if I were to write a blog post about paid advertising for lead magnets, then the the lead magnet about how to create an actual Facebook lead ad would pair really well with that blog post. So like the call to action for that lead magnet should be directly in the blog post, like not as a, a banner at the top, not as like a sort of a generic landing page linked somewhere on the website, but directly inside, like in the bang smack in the middle of the actual blog post itself. Interesting. Do you notice that there's any difference in performance when you have the form fields directly in the content versus having just a simple yes button, which triggers a pop-up or goes to a landing page? Yeah, the, the two-stage opt-in performs better. If people can see the, the actual form fields, like they, they ignore it without even thinking about it. But if you have the call to action and like it should, like in our experience, it shouldn't be like highly graphic. It's like we don't even put a thumbnail in ours. Like it's literally just um, one sentence with the call to action and it's got like a dotted line around it. And the like the typography and all is like pretty similar to the actual blog post itself. Like we, we don't go mad with like colors or bells and whistles or anything, just something really simple. And then they click that that call to action and it opens up a pop-up with the form and you typically you don't get a lot of drop off between when the pop-up opens like there's a fairly high conversion rate of people actually you know entering their information at that stage i wouldn't have expected it i i would have thought there would be so many problems with the pop-up on mobile devices mm. i think everyone's had the experience when they try to get to a website and they're they're closing the privacy banner they're closing the pop-up they're just trying to get to the content and the yeah. you know, X out button is everywhere. I think, yeah, the, the, that's the problem with like automatic pop-ups, isn't it? Like, but if you, if you tap and something happens, like that's an expected outcome, whereas it's the, the unexpected outcomes that will really hurt your conversions. So yeah, like in our experience anyway, for, for content upgrades, like definitely the, the two-step uh, process works well. Got it. Very interesting. In terms of promoting a lead magnet once you've developed it, did you have any personally favorite techniques for this? Yeah, yeah. So there's like, there's the, I, th- I think there's three layers to promoting a lead magnet. So you, you have to start with like the really boring, boring stuff that it has to be done for every lead magnet. So like you have to share your lead magnet with your existing subscribers, email it out to people, but not, don't send them a link to the landing page, attach it to the email, say, here, you're already on our list. I thought you'd like this PDF, whatever it is. This is a description of what it is. If you like it, feel free to share this link with your friends. Brilliant. Has to be done. Then secondly, like you have to schedule out your social media tweets or social media updates, whether that's on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever else. Like you have to schedule like three, four, five months in advance. It's boring. It's tedious. Like it has to be done. Like when you click publish on that lead magnet, you have to sort of set that, set yourself up for success. And that sort of is one way of doing it. And then I think the next layer is things that sort of won't give you an immediate return. So things like making sure that your landing page is optimized for search, making sure that your lead magnet has a permanent home somewhere on your website that's linked to from your website. So lots of landing pages aren't included in 
your main website navigation and for good reason like you can't have like 100 landing pages up in your, in your top nav but you should have a resource library quick plug for your resource library there and you know you should have your your lead magnet in your resource library and give it the wee featured selection so that it stands out and people know that this is a new lead magnet so that'll give you that sort of evergreen lead generation and then the third layer of promotion i think is stuff that's specific to this lead magnet so the like the other two layers that i mentioned that will work for any lead magnet doesn't matter what the the subject is but i think if you want to get really sort of good with the promotional side of things you have to think about like what would work specifically for this lead magnet so for example say if i made a lead magnet aimed at podcasters uh, teaching them how to convert listeners into subscribers so that they can grow their mailing list and sell premium products to eventually. So I would reach out then to where that audience already is. So blogs that are specifically for podcasters, maybe even some companies that work directly with podcasters. I might sort of try and foster a relationship with them and see if we can sort of maybe collaborate on a piece of content that sort of eventually gets to to my lead magnet. Like I might want to go on their podcast and talk about it and subtly drop in a little hint or two for for this lead magnet. Two interesting things there. One is you mentioned optimizing the landing page for search. I probably assumed wrongly. I hope there may be some other people out there who may also assume wrongly, but that landing pages for lead magnets just are going to have a hard time in search. Uh, you're not going to be able to rank them. Is that not correct? Not in our experience. And again, it depends on the landing page. So like if your if your landing page like pulls out maybe snippets of content from the lead magnet and gives people a bit of a tease and a bit of a taste, there's no reason why it shouldn't rank in the long term. Like I don't think you're going to rank overnight. And again, that'll work better for sort of long tail keywords. But again, that's why it's that sort of second layer of things that you're you're not going to get an immediate return from. But uh, if you set yourself up and build that foundation at the start, then you know you will get that sort of evergreen lead generation potentially from search engine optimized uh, landing pages. Very cool. And the second thing was, when you have multiple lead magnets, how are you mentally keeping it together in terms of uh, making sure you're not promoting? the latest one everywhere and undoing the effectiveness of a previous one and you're cannibalizing your performance yeah i think like i suppose that would be a biggest like a greater issue for um the social media scheduling so i typically wouldn't do like very i wouldn't sort of schedule like uh promotional updates like very far in advance for every lead magnet I would like there's some lead magnets that you know like are more valuable so like you would definitely promote them like a little bit more and some like you think like that's oh, a nice lead magnet i'm glad we have it people will find that useful but like we don't need to be going on about it every week and it goes back to probably a, like that original research as well if you've done some really good original research then yeah like that's a lead magnet that needs to be promoted more but if it's like a video lookbook of curated content like i mean let, let that one go like you don't have to like it depends how many lead magnets you're making as well like some people like only make like two or three a year like i would definitely say you need more than that specifically if you're using the content upgrade approach like you need one for every blog post 
but I guess it's like any of your sort of promotion, like you can't can't be promoting everything at one time. So yeah, I guess just be careful with, with what you're scheduling really. Yeah, putting the blog content upgrades to one side, did you have a suggested number that people should aim for to have a fairly solid set of lead magnets for social in this case? I would definitely say like have like three for every stage of the funnel. So like a minimum of nine, but like if you're only doing nine and sort of stopping at it, like they're going to get a little bit stale. Like you do have to go and freshen up and it should, like it comes back to that sort of content repurposing almost. Like if you're, if you come up with, like I'm presuming if you're making lead magnets, you're making content in general. And so you can, like, if you're making a really good video, like that might like just turn into like, I'll pull snippets of that out and that can be a lead magnet or I can repurpose like the transcript from the video into a lead magnet. I think there's, there's a lot of overlap there. And I think like the more like your content sort of, I don't know, where it goes out from like a blog post, could be a video, could be a series of tweets, could be a lead magnet, could be like maybe like a, a short podcast episode. Like they're all sort of related, like not everything works for every format, but when you can sort of cross pollinate across different formats, lead magnets being one of them, I think you should. Yeah. And that's a really tactical number to aim for at least nine, three for each stage of the funnel. That way, I guess right. you have enough to A-B test and, you know, switch one out, add yeah. one in constantly optimize out of curiosity i think top of funnel and bottom funnel lead magnets would be very obvious but do you have any examples of what would be a compelling middle of the funnel lead magnet yeah so middle of the funnel is probably yeah for so for people that are aware they've got like a they've got a problem but they aren't maybe sure on the solution or maybe aren't sure that they that they really need a solution and i suppose it's it's about that like if you think about the jobs to be done methodology as well, like it's really about moving people away from their current state of doing things. Like lots of times people know that like their situation at the minute isn't ideal, but there's nothing really pulling them towards a new solution. So I think that sort of middle of the funnel content should be like around that stage, like how to break that inertia to get people away from what they're doing or more often what they're not doing. Like the, I think the Google Drive as a resource library is a good example. People are thinking like it's working, like it's there. People know how to use Google Drive. They're not really very aware of the opportunities that's that's costing them. So we're hoping that, that I guess that our Google Drive to resource library converter would be that good sort of middle of the funnel content for us. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Very cool. Bit of a fun one for you again. Curious to know, have you seen any really outstanding lead magnets that you've just seen that have gone way above what you would ordinarily see that have stuck out to you? There's one sort of, it wasn't a specific lead magnet. I came across it last week and actually we did a Twitter thread on it because it, it was one of the ones that sort of, it was such a nice approach. It sort of stopped, stopped me on my tracks. It was on InCharge, their website, their software company. I think it's InCharge.io. And so they have a really well-positioned banner at the top of their homepage that says, like, get complete access to our resource library with hundreds of resources. It's some call to action, something like that. So essentially, you click on this banner, it opens a pop-up, and it gives you a little bit of a preview of, like, like I think it was like 50, 60, 70 lead magnets that you get all at once for a single opt-in. And the way that they had sort of worded that, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was really compelling about like, you're giving me a library of content, like the videos and everything in it for like one email address. 
like you couldn't you couldn't say no to it basically like it was a really like well positioned call to action really compelling like value proposition and a really easy way to sort of just drop in your details and get so much value quickly so I'm saying all that was brilliant. I didn't actually drill down into how good the individual <laughs> lead magnets were, but they and actually they had a really good post opt-in sequence. Whereas as soon as I opted in, it said like thanks, we've got your email address. It was a personal video from I think their CMO that said like here, let's schedule a call, which was really good. Like wow. I think like at every stage they did really well. Like it caught my attention with good placement. They like converted me quickly with a really high value proposition. And then like they followed up like there and then, which sometimes can be a bit quick. Like I I haven't even looked at the lead magnet. Like I'm not going to book a consultation, but there was something about like the video just, it made it feel really personal. And I didn't book a consultation there, but I thought like, geez, that's, that's the boy I'll reach out to if I'm having trouble. It was a personalized video, like a bonjour or vidyard type thing where it was filmed by the individual. Yeah, but obviously it was generic in that like, hey, thanks for subscribing. Ah. It wasn't like, hey, Kevin, thanks for subscribing. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Fantastic. Second last question, just before we go, what do you see coming in the future for lead magnets? Do you see anything just around the corner that we should be looking out for? Yeah, I think definitely like interactivity is going to be bigger. So like things like free tools, obviously, but like quizzes and things like that do, like they have really good sort of results. And I don't think that like, like you see every now and again, like, oh, the ebook is dead. People are sick of ebooks. I think like marketers are definitely sick of ebooks because like we know sort of the secret sauce, we, like we know what works and why it works. But like there's nothing in our sort of research or data to tell us that these sort of ebook calls to action are any less effective. But I think the good thing about the more interactive stuff is that you maybe get richer segmentation information because like you're not, it's not just the name and email address, like, but you're almost leading them through like a little bit of a decision tree to tell you for them to tell you more about themselves. And so you can use that to, to follow up with them more appropriately. So yeah, I think interactivity is probably the, the big sort of growth opportunity. Makes a lot of sense. Fantastic. Cool. So for anyone who wants to learn more about you and Beacon, where should they go? Probably Twitter. So on Twitter, I'm Mr. Kev McGee, M-R-K-E-V-M-C-G. And then the Beacon one is Beacon underscore B-Y. I'll make sure to put that and the link to Beacon in the show notes as well. And I might see if I can find that in charge.io example. Yes, go for it. Yeah. Put that all in there. 